Good morning, Life Source Church. I hope we're all well. And uh, my name is Jamie King. And uh, before I even give you any context, I'm going to share a quick story with you. And I'm going to record it on my phone. So, uh, many of you know I, I grew up in this church right here. Not in this building, but I grew up. I was born and raised in Griffith, and I was always raised in church. And so from a very young age, I always had a concept of God. And I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven years old. And I didn't really understand uh, the power of the decision back then, but it began to have an impact on me all throughout my teenage years. Um, even though life went you know, a little bit wrong after that, you know, my family fell apart, my parents separated, and everyone sort of each went their separate way. And, and so as a young man, I began to take on this uh, this sort of sense of rejection. Even though my parents' separation had nothing to do with me, that's, that's just what I took on board. And, um, and that began to lead me to do uh, quite a lot of silly things as a young man and sneaking out at night and causing trouble. And, and I was just dealing with this sense of rejection all the time. And I didn't know how to get rid of it. But one thing I did notice was that God stuck with me all the way through. He never left my side. He was always faithful. And I knew that he loved me. I knew that he loved me so much. I, I just couldn't deny that. And because I knew that over the years, uh, he was able to love me back to health. And, and I don't need to deal with rejection anymore because I know that Jesus died on the cross and he took my rejection when he died on the cross so that I don't have to carry it anymore. And, and he rose again and now he lives inside me. So I just get to wake up every single day with Jesus and I'm just so excited. And I love life now and I have peace and fulfillment all the time and I don't need to deal with those things that I used to have. Okay. All right. What did I just do? I shared a piece of my testimony. I didn't really plan how to do that. Uh, I just thought, oh, I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit and I'm just going to speak and whatever seems to come out of my mouth in this story is, is going to come out. And I was trying to do it in 60 seconds, but I did it in 1 minute and 57 seconds. I'll explain you know, later on why I timed it. But uh, today I want to talk about the power of your testimony. Everyone say, my testimony has power. Okay. And some of you may not think that it has power. Some of you may think it's not very remarkable. Some of you may have a really wild story. Either or is okay, as long as it's got Jesus in it. We'll get to that in a moment. What is a testimony? According to my very expensive dictionary app on my phone, uh, a testimony is a statement or a declaration of a witness under oath or affirmation, usually in court. Another definition is it's evidence in support of a fact or statement, which is proof. And then when we look at verses like Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is saying, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We will be his witnesses. So a testimony in our Christian context is that we are witnesses of Jesus Christ. So what's our story of Jesus Christ? 
Let's go to, let's turn to some scripture now. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Okay. And it begins, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The first point I want to make, you know, going from verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, is that when, whenever we're sharing our story of what Jesus has done in our lives, the focus is not on our, it's, the focus is not on us. The focus is on Jesus because that's where the power comes from. The power comes from the message of Jesus in our story. The, the power doesn't come from what we have or haven't been through or, or necessarily the nature of what happened. See, some people have you know such wild, dramatic, crazy testimonies and, uh, and we look at go, those and go, wow, that's really amazing. And then we think of our testimony in comparison and we're like, oh, mine doesn't really seem as good as that. So it's fine for them to use their testimony, but I don't really feel like I can use my testimony. And sometimes we disqualify our testimony when we put it in comparison with someone else. But can I encourage this church? It's not the size of our testimony. It's not the size of our story or how much flair it has or how world-changing it is that makes it powerful. It's the message of Jesus inside your testimony that makes it powerful. You could have such a simple testimony. I mean, the one I shared at the start of this message, it wasn't really remarkable in any way. I didn't, I didn't have any world crushing. I was on my deathbed and, and I had died. And, <laughs> I mean, there was, there was nothing like that, you know? Um, and you know what? I really haven't been through that much. I haven't suffered a great deal. Okay, My story is not very remarkable. But what my story does have is it's got Jesus in it, and I recognize that Jesus is where all my life and freedom comes from. Yeah, that's what makes your testimony powerful. So let's not, let's not disqualify our story because, uh, because we put it up next to another testimony that might be really big and powerful, because it's the words around Christ that change people. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. It says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I want to share a testimony. Not mine. It's about my stepmom. Her name's Sherry. I asked her a few weeks ago about her salvation story. I've heard a snippet of it before. And I always wondered about it because there was something in it that really intrigued me. And I'll get to that in a moment. But this time she was able to explain to me the whole thing. And, and it was a process that took years. She didn't spend years telling me, but it was <laughs> her story is, is a, you know, it, it sort of it, it spans over a few years. And, uh, you know, she was born and raised here in Griffith. And when she was 17, she moved to Manly in Sydney with one of her friends. And, um, and she's okayed me to tell this story to the church, by the way. And, you know, there was a lot of drugs on the scene. And one of the things they used to do every day was they used to smoke up uh, at the place they were staying. And then they'd go to the pub at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon and have some beers and come home later that night. 
And one day, you know, they were smoking at home and then they uh, they were walking to the pub and Sherry was a bit high and uh, this this guy on the beach walked up to her and her friend and started talking about Jesus. And, you know, her first reaction was not good. Uh, you know, she told him, you know, in her own way to go away. Um, and, and, you know, so he did. So he went away, he left them alone. And, uh, and you know, Sherry and her friend went to the pub and, you know, they went home later that night. But over the next few weeks, it really started to, she started to think about this. You know, th this really affected her. And, uh, and she was waiting at the bus one day at the servo. And, she, and she's like, I just need to read something. Like she, was, she just wanted to read something. And so she walks into the servo and she's looking at whatever she could read. And she found a booklet <laughs> written by the Jehovah's Witnesses. And so she buys that and she's reading it on the bus. And she said that was her introduction to the concept of Jesus. <laughs> How cool is that? God can use anything. It's brilliant. And, uh, you know, so she tucks that away in her bag and, you know, life goes on and she's, you know, doing what she's doing. And, but eventually the, the scene around where she was living was just getting a bit too heavy. And she knew that if she stayed there, she was going to get caught in it and she was never going to be able to leave. So, um, so she moved back to Griffith. She moved in with her mum. She was working here for a little while. And then she decided to chuff off to Melbourne. And, uh, and she was staying at the WCA Hall. And there was this evangelist lady uh, and her friend staying at the WCA Hall as well. And, you know, the whole same scene that she was in in Sydney was going on there. But this evangelist lady was there, her and her friend. And, and she came all the way over from America just to preach the gospel on the trams and on the trains. How cool is that? And... Uh, and, you know, she, she befriended Sherry. And the Holy Spirit said to this lady, you know, just, just be gentle with this girl. You know, don't, don't be so full on with her. She just needs, she just needs some love. And, and so this, this, you know, th these two ladies just loved Sherry. And, and, you know, they talked about Jesus with her over the course of a little while. And, you know, eventually they invited her to church. And, and Sherry didn't particularly want to go to church. And then, you know, Sunday morning came and she was asleep in bed and she was you know, pretty hungover. And, but she, she, she didn't really know why she did it because she didn't want to go to church. But she shut up in bed and she's like, don't leave for church without me. You know, so they didn't. And, uh, and she's like, oh, damn, I wish I didn't say that. Now I have to go to church. And, you know, she went to church and, you know, she had an amazing time and they had an altar call and, you know, the Spirit of God was in the house and, and she felt this real, you know, desire to go down the front and she went outside to have a cigarette instead. <laughs> and it was the middle of winter in Melbourne. It's, it's like Antarctica. And she didn't have a jacket and, you know, she's having a cigarette and she just felt, even though she went outside and she walked away from the altar call, she just felt the presence and the love of God so powerfully that she felt warm and she didn't even need a jacket you know in the Melbourne winter cold and and she for the first time in her life she felt this real love and peace and uh, and she knew in that moment that God was definitely real and shortly after that uh, you know she got convicted really hard she wrote down every single sin that she could think of you know sitting in her room 
And, and then she asked God, for, are there any more that I need to write down? And a few more popped into her head, and so she wrote those down. And she said, Lord, I hand these over to you now. Forgive me. And she, she said them all out loud, and she gave her life to Jesus. And she had this big dramatic encounter. And, uh, and now she's still walking with the Lord today. Um, you know, that, that's a really cool story. You know, I often think of the guy at the very start of her story who originally, you know, when he walked up to her on the beach and, and he preached the gospel. I, I, I wonder, when he walked away, what was he thinking? You know, was he thinking, oh, Lord, I'm a failure? Or, you know, she, she reacted really badly, like, is this even worth doing? Is this what I've got to put up with? You know, I don't think I should do this anymore. Or was he thinking, oh, Lord, I pray that one day she comes to salvation. Thank you for the seeds that... You got to sow in her through me, and I just pray they, they take effect in her and they begin to change her. Lord God, would you bring her to this position where she can experience your love and accept you, Jesus, as her Lord and Savior? You know, I, I often wonder you know, what his reaction would have been like. But I mean, as we know, some years down the track, Sherry gave her life to Jesus, and it was really powerful. I think it's important that we have the perspective that everybody we meet is going to come to Jesus sooner or later. Otherwise, there's no point in sharing with people at all. We may as well just leave them and not talk about Jesus at all. But I think it's very important that we have this perspective that, hey, if even if I'm not leading this person to Jesus right now, which, you know, sometimes it happens, it's really good, but even if they're not going to come to Jesus right now, they will later on down the track, and I get to be a part of their story of salvation. Because Sherry doesn't just talk about when she gave her life to Jesus, she talks about that man all those years before who walked up to her on the beach when she wasn't even in her right mind and he just started talking about Jesus to her. That's where her journey began. Come on. So let's, let's think about that as we're thinking about putting our testimonies together and sharing them with other people. So the first point really is that our focus is on Christ, not on ourselves, because it's, it's the words of the gospel that take effect. It's not about our persuasion. It's not about you know, our charisma. It's about the message of Jesus Christ because that's what gets into people. Okay, which, which sort of leads into my next point. The next point, let's, let's read verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And the second point is that you know, testimonies glorify God. They reveal God. What's the righteousness of God? It's Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus Christ in us. That's the righteousness of God. Okay, my second point is uh, in verse 17. So let's read verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now what is the righteousness of God? Well, it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ in us. Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. <clears throat> so what tends to happen when we, when we reveal Jesus to someone who doesn't know him yet? What tends to happen? Well, a, f a few things tend to happen. One of them is that the spirit in, within them that is born into sin, uh, it responds very well to the message. <clears throat> it responds very well. It you know, it, it rises up in the person like it's receiving a drink of water for the first time in its life. And it's like, oh, this is so good. I need 
more of this. I've been looking for this my entire life. Come on, give me more. You know, and it's at that point where the person realizes that the message of the gospel is true. But there's something else that happens in the person as well. And it's, it's really exactly the opposite. And it's, it's where the sin in their life gets exposed. That's called conviction. And that's God's job, not ours. And so two things are happening. You know, their, their spirit is saying, I want more. But the sin in their life is saying, I want less. I don't want any part of this. I don't want to change my life. I want to stay the way things are because I'm comfortable and I live life for me. You know, so there's this dual, there's a battle happening on inside people when we preach the gospel to them. And this is where their motivations start to come to the purpose because they respond to either one of those two sides. See, people can't hide from the gospel. The gospel exposes who people are. And if they want genuine change in their life, they're going to respond positively and they're going to say, oh, yeah, well, I, maybe I, I think I need to give my life to Jesus. Or, or you know, at the very least, I'll say, yeah, I need to think about this. I, I think I need to consider this. Thank you for sharing this with me. Whereas if they don't really want to change, you know, they'll sort of react against it. And they may not do it in an obvious way. I mean, it may be very calm. They may say something like, okay, yeah, that's, you know, that's cool. You know, that's good for you. I'll do what's good for me. And thanks for sharing. But anyway, I'm just going to live my life. Or, you know, if they've put walls up in their heart against God because maybe they feel like God let them down when they were little, um, you know, because maybe he didn't answer one of their prayers or something, you know, and someone passed away, or maybe they went to church when they were little and their family got hurt or, or they got abused or, or something. I mean, people get angry with God for all sorts of reasons. If they're upset with God, then, you know, that's when they may respond negatively, but when we see someone do that, it's not actually a bad thing because we know the gospel is taking effect in them. And I'll tell you what, when you just decide to love them anyway, no matter what their reaction is going to be like, just make certain that they know that you love them. That's going to be the, the, the cherry on the cake. That's going to be kind of what drives it home because they're going to associate your love for them with the message of Christ and it's going to make them feel valuable. And if it doesn't happen then, if they don't give their lives to Jesus then, God will work on them down the road and it's slowly going to change them. And they'll come to a point where they're going to give their life to Jesus. Come on. <clears throat> so the second point is that testimonies reveal God and it uh, it really brings things up in, in people. So the first point is that our focus is on Christ and it's it's on the words of Christ. It, it's not in the power of our own testimony. The second point is that it, it glorifies God. It reveals God to people. And uh, the third point is that testimonies impart faith to people. It actually says it there in the verse. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Or I could say that righteousness is the righteousness of God is revealed by a person with faith for a person who's developing faith. It's from faith for faith. And, you know, because you, you share your testimony, right? And other people think, wow, that happened for you. That could happen for me too. Okay. You know, that's, that's when faith is rising in people, you know, whether they know Jesus or not. So when faith begins to rise in people's hearts, testimonies begin to take this uh, prophetic edge to them. They begin to take this prophetic nature. Now, what do I mean by that? What does it mean that testimonies take a prophetic nature? 
some of you may have been waiting for me to go to Revelation 19.10. I'm, I'm going to go there right now. So Revelation 19.10 says, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? What's prophecy? Prophecy isn't about predicting the future. See, everything in the kingdom of God has been completed in Christ Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it's finished, that means he achieved victory. He defeated sin. Okay, So everything from the beginning of time all the way to the end of the time has been completed in Christ Jesus. And he rose again. He already has victory. So what prophecy is, is it's not telling the future necessarily. It's taking what is already a spiritual reality that has happened in Christ Jesus and it's declaring it into our lives and, and in our circumstances. It's causing that truth, which has already happened, to be realized and manifested. That's what prophecy is. So when you're sharing a testimony of what Jesus has done and it builds faith, that brings breakthrough into other people's lives for the same thing to happen. Actually, I have, a, I have another testimony about this. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I, had, I was hanging out with one of my friends and he was telling me that he was having really horrific nightmares right? Like every single night. And he was just dreaming every night that people were trying to kill him, in, you know, in all sorts of different ways. And it was just really messing up his sleep. And he was afraid to go to sleep. And, and they were really vivid dreams. And he could feel everything that was happening. And it was just really, really bad. And, and he was telling me about it because he was really distressed. And so I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to tell him to go away. And he's like, okay. You know, so I prayed for him and you know, I declared all these evil influences to leave his life and that these horrible dreams would go away and never come back and that there'd be peace you know, in his mind and he'd have great sleep. And, and uh, anyway, I didn't see him for a week and then I saw him again last week. And I said, how you doing, man? And he goes, I'm going really good, actually. Ever since you prayed for me, my nightmares went away and I've been having really peaceful sleeps. He said, I've been dreaming, but I haven't been having these nightmares anymore. I said, Wow. That's fantastic. See what Jesus has done in your life. And uh, actually, you know what? We're talking about impartation right now. And the, the purpose of testimonies is that if it's happened in someone's life, it can happen in someone else's life. So if you're having nightmares you know, at, at night or you're having night terrors or you're just not able to sleep because of fear or certain things that are going on, I'm going to pray for you right now. So can I ask you to close your eyes? I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray with you. In the name of Jesus, I command every evil spirit to leave the lives of the people that are experiencing night terrors. Lord, would your presence go into their room every night while they sleep, and would you surround them and comfort them? And every nightmare that these people are having, I command them to leave. I command them to cease and be no more and never come back. And I thank you, God, for the fruit of the Spirit. I thank you for peace on their mind right now. And I thank you that all fear is banished in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I cover these people with your blood right now. And I thank you for your freedom in Christ Jesus. Amen. And if that was you and you were having dreams, and you know, or, or nightmares, I should say, and they stopped, then hey, shoot me an email on jamieatlifesourcechurch.org.au because I want to hear about it. You know, I really love testimonies. Okay. Check out one more verse. In finishing off, let's go to Psalm chapter 119. We're going to read the whole chapter. 
<laughs> I'm kidding. We'll just read one verse. Psalm 119, verse 24. This is King David talking. And he says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Wow. Now David, being a king, had many counselors. He had counselors you know, to help prepare him for battle and, and what the strategy would be. He had counselors to run the city and, and the regions and the entire nation of Israel. But he says, more than anything else, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. And in verse 99, he says something very similar. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I was thinking about this verse last week, you know, sort of at the same time I was thinking about my friend's testimony. And uh, I realized something really amazing. You know, King David didn't have the entire Bible like what we have. I mean, he had the book of the law, which is what the kings were required to read every single day. But he didn't have all of Scripture like what we had. What did he have? He had stories. He had what had God done in his life. And they really comforted him. They were his counselors. They showed him what to do. What I've noticed about testimonies is that they don't, they don't say what God can't do. They only say what he can do. They don't put a, a theological framework around God to make him smaller so that he can fit in our heads. Like Testimonies don't say if God's Pentecostal or Catholic or Anglican or Lutheran or... Calvinist or Arminian, they just say, all's testimonies say, and all's David's doctrine was, God can. That was it. It just says, God can and God will. I've seen God do it before. He's going to do it again. So God is worth following. God's powerful. It just didn't put any limits on God. Whatever it is, hey, God can. That was David's doctrine. And in fact, I would take it one step further because... We've got Jesus. So I'm not just going to say our doctrine is what God can do. Ours is what Jesus has done. Testimonies, our testimonies declare what Jesus has done. And so he will do more of. So what has Jesus done in your life? Let's think about these things. And seriously, ask God, God, what have you done in my life? What are, what are things that you've, you've done in my life? And, and write those things down and think about them. And hey, I'd like everybody to think about their salvation story and how they came to Christ because that's a testimony right there. And when you start to think about these things, conversations will start to come up and someone might say how their day is doing or their week is doing and it, you know, they might not be doing so well and they might, may describe what's happening. And hey, some, you may think of something that you've been through that Jesus helped you through and you may be able to share that with them. Hey, that's a testimony. And you may be able to pray for them afterwards. Okay, so what, what things has God done in your life? How has Jesus revealed himself in your life? What testimonies do you have? Okay, so let's be a church that says God can. Let's be a church that says Jesus has. Because testimonies have a snowball effect. When people start telling them, more start coming. And God starts to do more and more stuff. Because faith is rising in the house. And they begin to take this prophetic nature. So if you think that maybe your testimony doesn't have really much power, hey, it's about Jesus, it's not about your story. And I'm telling you, it is exactly what people need and it's exactly what God wants you to share. So be encouraged. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you have all given us a story of salvation. You have all given us stories of faith to, uh, to give to other people, to share with the body of Christ and with people that don't know you yet. 
Lord, encourage our hearts and excite us and remind us what you've done in our lives. Thank you, God, that our salvation can be fresh every single day. Lord, I pray a blessing and I thank you for freedom over every single person that is watching and bring to mind all the things that you've done in our lives and help us to write them all down. And Lord, when we're talking to people, may they come to mind and may we be able to share those things. Thank you so much, Jesus. And hey, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, then I'm going to pray with you right now. I'm, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Okay, if that's you, just repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died to set me free from sin. And, and uh, I accept your forgiveness right now. I thank you for your forgiveness. I hand all my sin to you, Lord God, and I turn away from that life. And I receive you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. Help me to live for you every single day. Thank you that I am now your child. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So church, our testimony is about what Jesus has done in our lives. Your testimony is about what Jesus has done in your life. So what testimonies do you have? God bless.
church another great challenge for us a great encouragement that our words have power we can share our testimony about what we believe and it will change people's lives not because of who you are but because god in you has done a great thing and wants to use you to do a great thing in other people's lives it is good to know today god has been glorified i hope i pray that you have been blessed, and I'm just going to pray a blessing on each of us as we finish today's service. Lord, we thank you that you are good, that you are glorious, and you have good intentions in t- for each of us, each of our families. We, Lord, we even ask a blessing right now on those who have testified about you to us, the people that led us to know you, that taught us about you, that raised us up in you. Lord, we ask a blessing on their lives. And we also ask a blessing on each person right now, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's service, church. Bless you as you go. Thanks for joining in with us. Don't forget to give us a comment, give us a like, give us a say good day on one of our, uh, however you're communicating with us today, and um, be blessed. Bye.